Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This shit got content claimed for having a shitty name song. So fuck LCDC and fuck you. It's Thursday, you know what that means. It's episode 74 of the most elite show on the Rundown Wrestling Network. This is the AEW Rundown. My name is Adam, I'm your host, Salas here. What's up, buddy? Hey, what's going on, man? Not a lot. I, uh, mm-hmm. I would like to start this week by just expressing my displeasure with the weather in this part of the country. <laughs> I know I've mentioned that before, but but here's the thing. Out in Wisconsin, let's say, it's cold, and it stays cold. But here in New England, it could be 65 degrees, and then all of a sudden it's pouring rain, and then it's going to snow tomorrow. And I'm like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Where the fuck did I put my gloves? <laughs> it is, it is going to snow tomorrow. <laughs> It, uh, yeah, it rained all day today. Yep. Until I, uh, delivered my last package and then the rain stopped until I got back to the parking lot with the van and had parked the van and then it started raining again. <laughs> you motherfucker. <laughs> uh, Astro, who's in Illinois, says it was 70 on Friday, rain on Saturday, snowed on Sunday, windy Monday through today. See, she knows. Yeah. <laughs> It was, yeah, it was in the 60s here last week. My kid rode, rode his bike around for a bit. was very excited. Our lawn is a fucking, is fucking soup though. Our lawn. So he was like, I, he was like, I want to see if it goes on the grass. I'm like, no, don't do that. No. Yeah, our lawn is in that. Our backyard's worse, but. Holden, uh, Holden says, my wife, which I'm assuming must be Sharon, uh, must be looking forward to the snow. She keeps telling me she wouldn't mind an extra six inches. Weird. <laughs> Okay. By the way, we are live on we are live on twitch.tv slash the Salzer Effect, uh, as we usually are during these fun uh, AEW rundown episodes. Uh, speaking of which, uh, when my dad was cleaning out uh, the house before he moved, he found uh, six uh, fifty dollar savings bonds that my mother had purchased for me. Uh, basically, the first six Christmases that I was alive. Um, and I finally remembered to, to cash them this week. Uh, well, I was able to cash three of them. I have to mail the other three to the treasury to get them deposited because they don't have routing numbers on them. But, uh, so the, 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 the first three, uh, had basically doubled in value. The other ones had as well. Uh, and so I was able to do a little bit of, uh, a little, a little splurgy. A little, a little splurgy. And so on Monday, for those of you who are watching on Twitch, on Monday, uh, we gonna, we gonna put this bad boy together. I'm knocking shit over, but this oh. is gonna be Monday. For those of you, for those of you who are listening at home and not on Twitch, 
you gonna have to go go to Twitch to see what this is. But uh, so we're gonna build this on stream on Monday and probably Tuesday because it's a lot of pieces. Here's something but, you might not realize: um, that box looks a lot like the original box. So for like a half a second, I was like, "Oh, it took you 30 years, but you finally got one." It's 20, it, it's sorry for blowing everybody out there. It's uh it's 26 uh 2600 pieces. So that'll probably be Monday and Tuesday. No, but I'm saying it looked like the real thing. I know. It's awesome. I'm so excited. I would uh, have been more excited had it been the real thing. <laughs> well, fuck you. That's it. You don't have to come on Monday. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I just I was like, "Oh shit, the dude's actually got." And then I was like, "Ah, oh. Oh, yeah, that's, that's fine. <laughs> uh, back to the weather, KTMN says, I'd sympathize, but we don't get snow at this end of the world. 33 Celsius outside, kangaroo, kangaroo. Hmm. <sighs> uh, Holden says, six $50 savings bonds, hot dog, I'm going to buy me a hammock. Wow. Wing, ding, diddly, ding, ding, do. Uh, he says, I squandered most of my stimulus money on hookers and blow, and the rest I wasted. Um, Speaking of which, did you get your stimulus? I did. It went directly in the savings account. Oh, there you go. There you go. That's the gro- that's the grown up money. Mm. I don't I don't get to touch that money. But you um you you have a mortgage, correct? Correct. Do you got um I don't know if they have this up in the Grand State. Do you guys got taxes you got to pay quarterly on your house? Property taxes? Yeah. Yeah. Have you paid that yet for this year? Or last year uh, we, when you moved in? We we do it all through escrow. So it's oh, all taken care of, okay, taken okay. Care of by the bank and factored into the, to the mortgage payment. Lucky you. Our property tax bill comes every quarter and every fucking year it goes up. Nope. Yeah, we got we get we get the we get the yearly statement that says this is how much your mortgage was last year. This is the new calculation, so this is how much it'll be per month this year. Wait, and so do your go payments up. go up? It it went up a little bit per okay. month, but not a lot. Not a lot. Ugh, fucking being an adult, man. Um, Astro says they don't get a stimulus. Why don't you get a stimulus? And that is rude. Uh, Holden says Astro is an internet porno billionaire. That's not eligible for the stimulus money. That explains it. I was going to say, they did change a lot of the requirements for you to get a stimulus um, this this time around. Uh, specifically what it has to do with like your income and your or your, your family income. It's just... There wasn't as many checks as last time. That is true, um, which sucks for anybody who college didn't get a check. students aren't eligible. That's fucking rude. That is rude. I didn't, and I didn't know that. That is rude as shit. I also smashed my hand today, and it fucking hurts. How'd you do that? I was uh, when we when we were loading the vans. I was rolling my cart out to the to my van, and I smashed my hand between that cart and another cart, and it hurt like hell. Um, uh, I I had a thought the other day, right? Because mm. I saw the Amazon guy drive drive by, and I was waiting for for delivery, wasn't and he didn't stop at my house. He kept going, so I'm like, uh, okay, it probably isn't coming today. I didn't even look to see if it was coming today. They said within a day range, and I just figured maybe, you know what I mean. But it it, it brought up an interesting thought in my head. I was like, hey, Adam, um. Do you ever get people that are waiting on their porch for you? Um, it's happened. Is it weird? Hello, 
that for me? Is that, is that for me? That, you got, you got, yeah, that's mine. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, where's the other package? I ordered four other things. See, the thing is because they, they changed the, they changed the protocols because of, because of COVID. So we don't have to knock ah. on doors. We don't have to knock on doors or ring doorbells and wait. No, you don't we have can, to do shit. We can just <laughs> drop the pack. We can just drop the package and leave. But then they, they come walking out and I'm like that. <laughs> Stranger danger. But, yeah, but you're coming up to their house. Yeah, but I don't know them. But they don't fucking know you. They're the ones coming out of their house. Anyway. Uh, what the fuck are we here for? Uh, wrestling. Specifically oh. on TNT. Which means this week on WCW so Monday Nitro. Nitro Mania <laughs> episode 81. Wait, what? No, the other TNT wrestling. Thunder? <laughs> that was TBS. Oh, that was on TBS, wasn't it? Yes. Anyway. Shall we begin? I suppose. <laughs> only been fucking around for like what 20 minutes already it happens. <laughs> so bte episode 247 entitled lawnmower lawnmower, lawnmower. get away from my lawnmower the bucks in the cold open are with christopher daniels uh, Daniels tells a joke, and Matt Jackson laughs so hard that he slaps his knee repeatedly. We pan out to Matt Hardy standing to the side next to a sign that reads, No Knee Slapping While Laughing. Daniels forces Matt to pay $500 fine after Hardy forces Daniels to fine Matt. Uh, Hardy leaves. Matt Jackson says this place is getting too corporate. Ha ha ha! I get it? Because... Because that's what they do in WWE. They find people when they slap their leg on a super kick or whatever. <sighs> Any thoughts on our uh, cold open this week? Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> All right. That's it. That's my note. It's fine. After the uh, official open... We take a nice walk down memory lane and show all the times Hangman said he needed a lawnmower. As a bonus to this, we see um, the specific time that Matt Jackson was a fucking shitbag and cost his friends millions and millions of dollars, and they all get mad at him. And I'm so f- there for that every time they show that clip. Yeah. But also... The the segment ends with a shot of Hangman on his brand new lawnmower, mm-hmm. with the Dark Order sitting on it with him, except e- for five. Except for five, <laughs> who's off to the side looking sad, moping. Why, if 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 Hangman bought this lawnmower, mm-hmm. why does it have the badge of a rental place on the side of it? Hey. Nobody needs to know that. <laughs> also, it did. They were they did you know the wide panning shot of the going around the thing, and on the side was the fucking sticker. It was like Ralph's Equipment Rental. I'm like, what the fuck? All right, whatever. Anyway, I love that at the very end where you just see a small grin come across Hangman's face. 
<laughs> like, I got my fucking lawnmower, bitches. Um, no, I, my note specifically, five standing next to the lawnmower, slightly disappointed. It's fantastic. <laughs> Looking dejected, yes. Yeah, really oh, it's fucking amazing. Uh, segment number two, it's Dark Order Clubhouse time featuring Stu. Mm. Uh, featuring Stu and Hangman finding common ground and some questionable spending habits of the Dark Order. <laughs> Do you have any notes on this segment? Uh, I, I, I enjoy I I love the opening set, though, the way we came into this with Stu and Hangman. Nobody pushes me but Anna. Yeah, but she 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 told me to, or she was going to kick my ass. Oh, and then they hug. Oh, I, my God. I enjoyed that. The fact that they were uh, both terrified of Anna and then like, oh. <laughs> Oh, I understand now. Come here. Come here. Bring it in. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Uh, and then, yeah, going through the, going through the list of things that everybody bought and <laughs> 10 looking at the list and going, uh, oh, I see the bunch of drugs. That's me. <clears throat> I did write down what each of okay. them bought. Colt orders a leisure suit under the name Larry, but denies it. Five orders five trains, five planes, and five automobiles, but he also denies it. Ten orders lots of drugs, and admits to it. Stu orders a dozen purple roses for Anna, but denies it, and Uno helps cover it up by saying he ordered them since she was having surgery, and that card says from Stu because Stu is Anna's pet name for him. Also, John Silver ordered 6,900 pounds of assorted raw meat and Japanese Rosetta Stone. That's a lot of meat. But, this is for the boys. Also, they all ordered Viagra. Boner pills. Boner, but they, boner, but, boner. But they got, ha- they got Hangman some, too. Oh, that's good. That's true. Um... They chant boners, they leave, Colt hangs back because Colt is the dad of the group. Yes. And says, you want me to pick it up for the kids? Hangman's like, you know, what'd you, and he's like, yeah, what's your Venmo? <laughs> which which what's was, his, what's his Venmo? <laughs> John Deere Hot Hog at gmail.com. John Deere Hot Hog at gmail.com. <laughs> Uh, Holden says, can someone be arrested for operating a lawnmower while intoxicated? Asking for a friend. To which KT says, is there any other way to drive a lawnmower? <laughs> uh, I'm not reading the next one because it's about a child. Uh, <laughs> Astra says, wrestlers can't keep it up on their own. Sometimes you just want to have fun. Dark Orgy. Confirmed. I just read what you... Yeah, no. Okay. Anyway, so when Colt said, do you want me to pick it up for the kids, was he talking about just the meat, or was he talking about the whole tab? Because that seemed, that was the only thing I didn't know. Or was he talking about John Deere's hot hog? That too. (laughs) I hear he's very handy. Uh, Segment number three. Matt Hardy tries to get private party Skip. together. I have to Skip. I have to mention it. <laughs> Matt Hardy tries to get private party to get along with Triple B. Uh Matt crushes grapes to show us what he'll do to the Dark Order. Gross. I I was I was waiting for that table to break. 
I'm like, he's going to smash his hand on it. That mirror is going to shatter. He's going to get injured. It's going to be great. Can we talk about the, can we talk about private parties drink for a second? Do you have a note on that? I, I mean, I don't know what it was. They just kept talking about it. Why is it so goddamn blue? Is it fucking toilet cleaner? Why is it so it fucking blue? It probably is. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't even believe that's like a real thing. All right, back to the good stuff. Um, oh, wait, wait, wait. Blade being fed a grape through his gimp mask was the highlight. And that's saying something. Dude, Allie unzipped it, and then it was fucking um, Butcher that, like, had to move his mouth down. (sighs) Segment four, Maki Ito hangs at the Dark Clubhouse and performs with the Dark Orders or backup dancers. She stops when she notices they suck. She flips them off and leaves. Forever. Stu Grayson is unimpressed, but the rest oh. of the Dark Order gush about how cute she is. Whoa, shitty dancer! <laughs> Fuck you guys! <laughs> oh, I'm gonna miss Maki Ito. Yes. I also, she... I also wrote, I think Colt's stuck. Because Colt was stuck. Oh. Poor Colt. <laughs> he was just, you didn't you didn't notice him at the end? No. Just standing there, he had his hand in a heart, and he was just going, Kawaii! Oh, Kawaii. Uh, oh yes. I did notice that. Kawaii! It was very annoying. <laughs> um, yes, uh, Maki Ito put something out on, I think, Twitter saying, you know, uh, for now, her, her trip to America is over, she's going back to Japan, you know, thanked everybody, blah, blah, blah. Um, which is a shame because she is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and who knows? Maybe she'll be back someday. Uh, but we'll see. We know ne- we never saw Kenta again. <laughs> um, except for that one time. All right. So segment five. I'm so glad you watched this week. I'm so fucking glad you watched this week. Segment five, Ortiz dreams that the Dark Order, led by Alex and Brontes, will get revenge on the Latinos. He's correct, as Alex and the Dark Order have have gone all Freddy Krueger and invaded his dreams and tries to kill him. By the way, Brontes is actually dressed as Freddy Krueger. Uh, it's bad. We go through a bad horror movie sequence until, until Ortiz wakes up. He thinks he's fine until the Freddy Krueger claw comes up on the side of his golf cart, and we get a graphic that says, A Nightmare on Elite Street. First off, who sleeps in a golf cart? Um, Santana. He just hasn't <laughs> been able to sleep. It was Ortiz. I mean, okay. Ortiz. Face it. Um, I, wrote, I wrote a dream sequence, really. Um, I... <laughs> I did. I did get a slight chuckle when they were going through the numbers mm. and having. But didn't we have a seven and eight? Yes. Has At two creeper jobbers on 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 dynamite? On one of no one of the first episodes of Dark, they had um they had seven. They were on eight. dynamite too. Maybe. I don't think they were in a uh, match though. I think they just were there. Then I just wrote, "Who cares? This sucks." Where the hell did Anna come from? And then uh, and then my last night, my last note on this, hearkening back to. Uh, one of my favorite shows of all time, Mystery Science Theater 3000. I just wrote, and, <laughs> and. So I have one note on this. 
they're going through the whole thing, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, get the crucifix, and five goes, there's no six. Shut there's up, five. there's never been a six. Shut up, five! <laughs> that was the only thing I enjoyed about the whole fucking thing. Because it was bad. Oh, there was that 1.2 that Sammy would just magically appear in the dream, and um, he was so, he was had a night, you know, his nightmare was that a golf cart was going to run over him, but instead it was Alex Abrantes oh, okay. and, that, I don't know, 10? I think it was 10? No, it was 5. That, oh, that it is was the 5. One, that is the one other thing that I chuckled at, was 5 going, okay, but can you buckle up, please? That was yes, it. that was true. So you know when 5 is the star of a segment that it's a bad segment. <laughs> uh, speaking, of, speaking of bad segments... What the fuck was this? Segment six, the Vix nuns and Ryzen steal people's shit and then go all Tarantino slow-mo walk on us. I just wrote, okay. Have you ever seen Kill Bill? No, I own it. <sighs> it. It's basically, I think that's, I mean, it's not just Kill Bill. A lot of fucking Tarantino movies do this, but they play like some wacky jazzy music and then they I'm do also like noticed- a slow-mo walk down a hallway. I've also noticed of the Tarantino movies that I've seen, didn't really like it. Okay. Didn't really like what? Didn't really like them. Oh, any of them? Yeah. What have you seen? Uh, I saw Inglorious Bastards. You didn't like Inglorious Bastards. It's kind of boring. I liked it. Go ahead. Anyway. Wait, did you see Pulp Fiction? I haven't seen Pulp Fiction. Hmm. But... Yeah, this was so so. It's... <laughs> So we see we see them stealing stuff, and then we just see them walking down the hallway with money. So were they selling people their things back to them, or were they selling them to other people? Or I would assume they were pawning them. But they and then they you, and then they murder uh, El Fuego. Fuego yeah, they, they took Fuego's mask. Those bastards. And then they were like spinning it on their hand and shit. By the way, I would like to point out, I think that Vicky is allowed to take um, Fuego's mask. I don't think that that Ryzen or, Ni- or uh, Nyla should have taken Fuego's mask. Because Vicky can lay claim to it. I mean, you know, Los Guerreros, you know what I mean. We lie, we cheat, we steal. Exactly. We lie, we cheat, we steal. Um, I'm kind of glad we didn't have to see Fuego with his mask off. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know if he's going to get his mask back, but, you know. Uh, my notes on this segment were uh, none. None. That's what I wrote down. I actually wrote down none. Uh, segment seven, private party try to shill their new alcohol, but Hangman shows up and they prepare for a fight. Hangman just wants to talk to them. He tells them that Hardy is taking advantage of them. They need to grow a pair. But also, he's here to pay them their $12 back. Dollars. About time. He gives it to them. He leaves. That was because one time Hangman showed up, had a couple drinks, and didn't pay for him. Is that why they wanted $12? Something like that. Or was one drink. Maybe it was just one drink. Uh, he gives them the money. He leaves. Quinn tries to figure out what 30% of $12 is, but Cassidy tells him Hardy doesn't have to fucking know about it. 
Uh, but then they freak out because Hangman apparently took their bottle of alcohol. Oh no, he stole the two thousand flushes. Who is that? So that's the new thing now. Hangman stole the booze, and they're gonna be like, "He stole our alcohol." I have one more note on this episode. Oh, okay. Well, that was the longest twenty minutes of my life. Doc Order shit was good. Wait, yeah, as fuck. as per usual. <laughs> we didn't we didn't That's record it. that soundbite. Remember, we were gonna have a soundbite where we were just like we just plug it in there and it says Doc Order was good, everything else sucked, and that and then we don't have to recap. We don't have to talk about Doc VT <laughs> anymore. Um, although I was made aware this week by you that uh, BTDO is a thing. <laughs> I can order a shirt from awshop.com. And it's what we've been talking about on this show for fucking a year. BTDO, being the Dark Order. Make that show, please. And then I don't have to watch Being the Elite anymore. Even if it's just for fucking one week. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was particularly bad bad this week. It was just... Wow. It was nonsense. Um, speaking of nonsense, did you happen to watch the brand new AEW Dark Evolution? Uh, Good Elevation. Se- Good segue. Speaking of nonsense. Uh, I did not. I know that you said you were planning on, uh, checking it out. Were you able to? <laughs> God, no. I have, I have, I saw, I saw one clip and we'll talk about it later. Okay. Um, I, the, I will say, um, it kind of sounds like it wasn't awful. But big shows on commentary, so I might have to watch it on mute. I mean, I'm guessing there weren't 17 matches, so it was, it was, I'm sure it was better than any, any episode of Dark from the last year. No, there were like five matches, which, so it was like normal Dark. I had this discussion on WWE Rundown. Why did they need to call it Dark Elevation? Why couldn't they just call it AW Elevation? Cause it. Don't tell me they're branding their YouTube shows as gonna say, dark. Because it, it's a spinoff? Spinoffs, that, spin-offs don't have to have the name of the original in the spinoff. What are you talking about? You, you never family Matters didn't have Family Matters never, from Perfect Strangers <laughs> as, as the title. You never, you never watched All in the Family's mod? <laughs> And yes, I went with Maud instead of the Jeffersons. You're welcome. Thank you. The um, friend, the friends, Joey. Um, that is just from now on, it's AW Dark. No, AW Dark. Happy days is Joni loves Chachi. AW <laughs> Dark Elevation and AW Dark OG. Original garbage. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Holden says, when the fans come back to the arenas, I'd hate, I'd be pissed if I bought a front row seat and I got stuck staring at the back of Paul White's head for two hours while he did commentary. Well, they commentate from the stage, so it's okay. Yeah. What you should be pissed about is if you got stuck behind um, the gun club at an event, because you ain't seeing shit if you're stuck behind that. Can you imagine? Once, once we eventually start, once they eventually start going back to actual places if they still tried to do fucking 16 match episodes of dark 
There'd be fucking riots. Well. You get the crowd <laughs> chanting, let us go home. So here's the problem. Let us go home. It's two in the morning. We've been here since six. <laughs> here's the problem. <laughs> um, Even when they start to go to other places, I don't think they're going to More go. More on that later but as well, by the way. I don't think they're going to go to other places every fucking week. So... You know, their taping schedule still might be the same for a little while. So we'll get two very special episodes from Memphis, Tennessee, and two very special episodes from Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> uh, scrolling back in the chat, KT, KTMN says, you mean AEW Velocity? Yep, that's because right. That's how, rele- that's how relevant that show will become. All right. Uh, Dinamite episode 77. Uh, opening video. What? That, that's not what it's called this week. We'll get there. Opening video, and we are six days old from Jacksonville, Florida with St. Patrick's Day Slam. Woo! Earlier today, MJF's new clan got off a private jet. Can you believe it? No, oh. they remind, <laughs> they remind, they remind me of, uh, you remind me of, of something that I've seen. I segued myself and I couldn't even, I, I couldn't even, um, think of it fast enough. That's a mystery. Um, no, not them. Not them, asshole. <laughs> what I said beforehand, before you started that was, woo. And then I thought about it. And I was like, actually, that works for this because they did. They came off, you know, jet flying. Limousine riding. That's what it felt like to me. I didn't get those other people. Okay. You don't remember that? You don't remember that uh, that promo when when they when before they replaced Mark Jindrak with uh, Batista. <laughs> I didn't watch the ruthless aggression documentary. On <laughs> well, you can't now. Um, no, you still can. You got two weeks left. Yeah. All right, let's dive right into the action as Penta takes on Cody Rhodes. Uh, we get a Goldman box from Penta. Abrantes translates. Penta promises to break Cody's arm and send him on paternity leave early. Uh, Cody's wearing a green shirt because St. Patrick's Day. He is. Penta with these little shiny skulls on his, like, mask, cape, whatever the fuck it's called. Um, they're fantastic. I just thought I'd mention that. You know, his mask cape. <laughs> sure. What the fuck would you call it? I don't know. The, <laughs> the cowl? Is that what you're talking about? I, didn't, I don't know what you're talking about. Yes. Um, but the, the... Also, also, I enjoyed J.R. and Tony giving Abrantes shit. Uh, he seems to be enjoying that a little too much. I enjoyed it. Uh, I was like, yeah, the... break fucking Cody's arm, but we'll more than more that in a little bit. Uh, Penta dives onto Cody on the ramp, then we head into the ring, and the match begins. We quickly end up on the floor, where we brawl. Back in the ring, Penta rips Cody's shirt off and gives him a chop, and the piped-in uh, the piped in crowd very loud in response to that. Uh, Cody asks for more chops. Off the ropes, Cody eats a sling blade for two. Cody gets the drop-down uppercut, wants a crossroads, but can't hook it in. He ends up getting backstabbed, and Penta goes outside to move furniture and wear a stupid hat. Uh, Penta goes up top, but gets caught. Cody takes him off with a Hurricane Rana. Excalibur wants to talk about Jericho. JR completely ignores him. 
Penta goes to work on the injured shoulder. Back and forth we go. Penta just jumps into a Samoan drop. Cody wants to drop him onto the barricade. He leaned against the other barricade earlier, but Penta fights to the apron, gets disaster kicked. Cody then topes Penta into the barricade. It does not look as impactful as they try to make it seem. Nope, not even a little bit. Holden says, every time Abrantes translates for Penta, he seems like he should be saying tee-hee right before he does it. It's true. You're not wrong. very excited. Um, wait, time out. Yeah, so they do the move into the to the rail that's perfectly set up. There's, like, no impact. He There's just kind of, like, was like... And they're like, oh, there's no give! None at all! And I'm like, dude, that looked boring. Stop that. <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of stop that, Holden says, since it was St. Patrick's Day, I wonder if he consumed any pentatonics. Uh, Cody Cutter gets a two-count back in the ring. He blocks a thrust kick, hits a crossroads, but Penta kicks out. Penta then kicks out of a vertebraker. He slaps Cody across the face, so Cody drags him over and smashes his ankle to the ring post. Uh, Cody then locks on a figure four, but Penta's able to get to the ropes. Uh, Cody, try, Cody tries to go right back to it, but Penta snaps the shoulder. He gloats. Cody rolls him up and pins him for three. Uh, huh? Let's talk about the match before we talk about the after the match. Yeah. Okay. Decent. So, who was the heel in this match? Penta. Then why did Cody... Pissed, pissed that Penta kicked out of first the crossroads, then the vertebraker. Why did Cody the babyface because take, he's an asshole take Penta's leg and knock the outside of his knee on the ring pose? Because he's an asshole. What a fucking. We've been sucker. saying this for a year and a half now. <clears throat> so Penta valiantly fights out of <laughs> the uh, says, and there's four. disapproving south face <laughs> he he um he fights out of the figure four okay and then he breaks cody's arm and you again this is kind of like when we talk about ecw or, or other stuff that you've never watched before in lucha underground when he broke someone's arm they were dead you had to get the stretcher the whole fucking nine ambulance ride um he, he quote unquote breaks Cody's arm and Cody, uh, sell, barely sells it and then rolls him up. And I'm like, wait. What? <laughs> Penta was in control that entire sequence. How is it that he breaks his arm and Cody wins? I'm so fucking confused. It wasn't a, that wasn't an arm break spot. That was like a shoulder dislocation spot. Uh, yeah, Penta gets pissed because that was a stupid way to lose a match. Then he attacks him. Dustin and the young guns make the save as Arn Anderson just stands there looking grumpy. Uh, Billy eventually shows up. Penta pulls faces and leaves. QT Marshall wanders out and they all give him shit. So I'm so glad this is a thing. Okay, wait a minute. Okay, so Penta beats the shit out of him, right? And they're like, oh my god, the damage to Cody's arm. It's so much damage that Cody is standing back up before Penta leaves. So much damage. Going, ow. <sighs> well, he didn't hurt his legs. No, but his, his, you would think he would be like writhing in pain the way Penta was going at his arm after the match. Would it kill Cody to sell it a little bit? Would it kill him? Would it kill you to play some fog hat? Uh, Holden says Arn is just pissed that he didn't get invited to Sully's new group. You're not kidding. More on that later. Uh, 
But uh, but Cody was wearing uh, his his shoulder tape in, in an A for coach. Um, we run down tonight's card. Then we go to Marvez and the Bucks. He stares into the camera as he asks them about their focus going into the tag title match. He's so fucking terrible. Uh, Matt talks about singles competition. Then Don Callis shows up to hawk his own merchandise. They ask about his eye. He admits that the Bucks never kicked him. Wouldn't it have healed by now anyway? What the fuck? Yeah, it's been like a month. Fucking anything. <laughs> Uh, speaking of which, you can buy the, uh, the Kenny Omega Don Callis with abs in jeans shirt on, on, uh, on Pro Wrestling Tees as well. On, uh, on Don Callis' merch store. We talked about that on, uh, was that Monday? Yeah. yeah we was, talked about that on um, Monday. I, I believe it was on AEW yeah. Shop, dude. I don't think it was yeah. on Pro Wrestling Tees. I believe No, it was I went, like... to, I went to, I went to Pro Wrestling Tees. I think that was in Don Callis' store on Pro okay. Wrestling Tees. Anyway, Callis says they're not elite anymore. Anyway, they argue. Who cares? Uh, Excalibur calls him human garbage and threatens us with a Jade Cargill match next. Okay. So, first I want to talk about Don Callis. Um, Do we have to? (laughs) The Bucks don't even say anything. Callis isn't exactly wrong with half the stuff he said. Um... But I'm 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 very sick of him on my television because it's the same shtick and it doesn't change ever. And uh, at this point, I wish they did kick him, which I guess is the point, but not really because it's the box. So I don't I just don't know why the why they felt the need to bring that back. Yeah, we we literally went backwards. Like you know what it was? It was like they put that on hold while they fought Jericho and MJ, MJF, and now we're just back to it. Stop it. Yeah. But no, they're not stopping. They're going further with it. More on that later. All right. Match number two. <sighs> Jade Cargill versus Danny Jordan. Took me a while to figure out it was Danny Jordan, by the way. Danny Jordan, by the way, the mean girls woman we couldn't remember the name of two weeks ago. Yes, sir. Um, Is Jade supposed to be Storm from the X-Men? Is that like uh, your that gimmick? Is, that is one of the inspirations, yeah. Okay, because her entrance says... And I only... I want to make sure, I want to make it abundantly clear that the only reason that I know that is because I went to her Wikipedia page to confirm what, what that when Excalibur said that the match uh, with Shaq was her first ever wrestling match. Uh, it was. Sure, we all know you, st- you stalk her on Instagram. It's fine. That's fine. I will end this call, mister. <laughs> I will turn this podcast around. Jade flexes to begin the match, and they trade waist locks. Uh, Danny escapes using a back elbow. She comes off the ropes and gets bro kicked down. Jade hits a... KTM, KTMN says, for a guy who calls himself the Invisible Handy, there's a whole lot of TV time for Callis. Right. Jade hits a crappy release German suplex. I say crappy because she didn't even get like her hooked. She just kind of put her hands on her hips and just threw herself back. Um, and then the implant buster for the win. Jade is so original, so cutting edge, that she calls her finisher the Jaded. After the match, she walks over to uh, ringside to pick a fight with Red Velvet. They jarred each other, but there's no physicality. Your thoughts on this match? Olden says Jade Cargill was going to be stormed, but then they said, ah, shit, we already used up our snow machine budget. Um... Yeah, I was too focused on Excalibur telling us that uh, Jade looked experienced beyond her years. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, if she wins, who cares? She taunts her velvet. Who fucking cares? Go away. <sighs> when you the know, best when when the best part of you is your logo, just stop. Because the logo is cool. I like the logo. Um, I disagree. I think um she's got a look to her. It can be marketable. It 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 it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I can. I'm not saying she's good at anything yet. I'm saying she has a look. She's six foot something. She's jacked. She's ripped. I, there's a place for that she's in wrestling. Jacked and ripped. Yeah, there's a place for that, especially for a mark like Tony Khan. Um, that's it. Nobody fucking at me. I'm just saying she has a good look. Hell, so did fucking Masters. <laughs> Um. Okay, we see highlights of the. What are you? What are you doing? What? What? What's the matter? Huh? You're. You're. Mm. I saw. I saw. I saw a promo thing for Chris Masters the other day, and I can't remember what his new what his new name is, but I remember being stupid. <laughs> anyway. So no. Okay. We see highlights of the inner circle getting destroyed by M. Jeff's new group. Excalibur actually brings up the fact that a year ago, we saw MJF gambling with Sean Spears in the crowd. As mentioned by Kogosh, go, ugh, Kogo Sean after Dynamite last week. So credit to him, because I sure as fuck didn't think of it. And then Excalibur actually brought it up on TV. So there we mm. go. Speaking of MJF's new group, out comes the Five Horsemen. Tully starts by saying last week they were in the ring with the greatest group AW ever had. You know, in its 18-month existence. That was until this group of men left them for dead, systematically destroying each and every one of them. So he figures that makes his group the baddest group on the planet. Tully then screams about how he used to be a horseman and they were great, but now these guys are great. Thoughts on on Tully's par- portion of the promo? Uh, I th- I thought I thought they were laying the seats for something at the end of of him because he specifically he very pointedly and specifically said you can mark the words instead of mark my words. I, and so yeah. I'm like, is that is that going to be a thing? But it wasn't. I thought mark the words was going to be a thing too. Um. But then it wasn't. MJF grabs the mic and says, I guess he's Judas. I did like that. That was kind of funny. MJF was funny in this. Um, MJF says pretending to like Jericho was the most difficult thing he's ever had to do. Uh, He takes much-deserved shots at Jericho's weight, hairline, and caved-in chest. That was amazing, by the way. He's like, your biggest problem is your left pec's over here and your right pec's over here. Holden says, chef's kiss for MJF's Judas comment. Oh. Um, so he pulled off the greatest swerve in wrestling history, and we all bought it. He destroyed the inner circle from the inside. What What was the... Did you, did you write down the specific line about Jericho's pecs? No. I did, I did not write down the exact line. That was a good one, though. Yeah, something about the left pec and the right pec. 
Uh, Tell me about how far how far apart. Oh yeah, well that's the gimmick. Um, you made me lose my place to see if I wrote down the line. You could have wrote down the line too, there, buddy. Uh, let's see here. He puts Tully over as the greatest mind in the business. He then puts over each member better than Jr. has in two fucking years. <laughs> I wrote MJF sucks the dicks of each of his compadres. MJF then puts himself over as the greatest man that ever lived. Wait, I know that was someone else's gimmick. I'm just paraphrasing. Uh, basically, a cross between Triple H, Ric Flair, and 2004 Randy Orton. Is it me? Or was there something almost kind of pathetic about the workers at ringside chanting, You guys suck! You guys suck! Pathetic how? It was just fucking lame. On whose part? Meaning, part? do you think that's some, something Tony Khan told them to do? Probably. Or do you think that's something it, they did there was on no, their there own? Was no, there was no crowd. It was just the way. Either, either way, it's fucking, it's fucking lame. It's lamer if Tony Khan told them to do that. It's dumb if the boys are doing that on their own, because that's not clever and it's not, it's, it's, it's dumb. But if Tony Khan is telling them, like, hey, when he says this, you guys are going to say, this group sucks, or or these guys suck. Like, if Tony Khan is directing them to do that, that's a problem, because it was bad. Also, also, I enjoy Tully and Dax apparently just getting bored and chatting with each other while, Ma- while Max is going on about himself. Um. MJF then names his group The Pinnacle, mm-hmm. and of course tells us he's better than us, and we know it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thoughts on the introduction of this new faction and the name? They just need one more thing. What's that? A different theme song. Oh, they might get one. You they better. Know. All right. Did you like this segment? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate the name. I enjoy I. Uh, you know, Tully referenced it right out of the gate, and then they they kind of ran with it from there. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm in favor of it. I liked it. I liked the promo. I liked Tully speaking first and kind of connecting them with the Horsemen, and then MJF taking it from there. But oh, the one thing I liked the best was how he put over each person when he was saying, you know, Wardlow's machine, like he's the most unstoppable force in wrestling. I've got the greatest tag team in wrestling in, in Dax and, and Cash. Um, Sean Spears is the main eventer. You people don't know it. Like he, he put them over. Yeah. Um, yeah. I p- personally was a little bit disappointed with the name because I was like, the pinnacle. <laughs> I'll probably get used to it, but it wasn't like, whoa, that's a great name. That's what you call a faction. When Jerrica revealed the name of the Inner Circle, did you go, whoa, that's a great name? No, that name wasn't great either. <laughs> I have no I have no issues with the name. It makes sense. Like when Shawn Michaels was like, you can call this D-Generation X. I was like, all right, dig it. <laughs> You fucking WB stand. 
you can call this the New World Organization of Wrestling, brother. (laughs) (sighs) Is it okay? Yeah, we were we were there when they uh, when they revealed the name of the inner circle. Yes, this is my inner circle. These people are my inner circle. The, the group's name is Inner Circle. Just in case you didn't know. Yeah, I like the name of the Pinnacle. I have no issue with that. It's the peak. It's the top. It's the upper echelon. It's the Pinnacle. Ah, the best of the best. If you called yourself the upper echelon, that would have been Pinnacle. Better. Or <laughs> the Untouchables, that would have been good. The Firm, yeah, um, see, we're <laughs> gonna get that Elliot Ness. Or if they're the top of the mountain, they could have called themselves the Elite. Oh wait, yeah, never mind. <laughs> Enter Matt Hardy when we return from break. He's with his two teams and Bunny to take on Jurassic Express and Bear Country. Matt gets a Goldman box to talk about money. Ooh, Real quick, I know you were. Technically, virtually at Raw, but you didn't actually watch Raw. But um, on Raw, they had a... Oh, no, maybe it was on SmackDown. On SmackDown, they had a pointless eight-man tag. And when I was on WWE Rundown, I was like, Wait a minute, pointless eight-man tags? I thought only AEW did this. And then AEW went, hold my beer, and they do a fucking ten-man tag. Yeah, yeah I, was, uh, I was in Thunderdome for the last 20 minutes of Monday Night Raw. Now, do you get a different so camera got, angle when you're in Thunderdome, or is it just yeah. the USA feed? Oh, that's stupid. No, I thought maybe you got, like, a bird's eye view or something like that. Or a close-up. I don't know. Uh, we're reminded that Bear Country eliminated Luchasaurus at Revolution as they enter. Marco starts with Quinn, and Hardy immediately tags himself in, because beating up little people is a rich man's game, apparently. Jungle Boy tags in because Marco is useless, and there's a brawl. Excalibur promises box. The faces clear the ring. Jurassic Express pose, and Bear Country sadly only almost kill Marco by hurling him out of the heels outside. Jurassic Express not so happy about that, but whatever. Uh, Hardy nails a side effect on Jungle Boy, gets a two count, and we go to box. Um, he, my they note. almost they almost killed Marco. My note: Bear Country almost killed Marco. <sighs> so close. Bolden says, man, that alley sure is a bad bunny. Uh... Oh, boy. Um, first of all, shout out to Beer Country, because I've seen them on the New England scene for a couple of years. I always enjoyed their work, and to see them on national TV is, is great. Um, it would have been probably not good if they like actually like broke Marco's neck, because people would have like said something about it. But, you know, I would have enjoyed it. Just saying. <laughs> We return to Luchasaurus getting tagged in. He beats up Private Party. Cassidy gets flapjacked. Quen gets backdropped. Then Blade comes in and gets German. Quen saves his partner from something, but then they both get kicked, and Cassidy gets choke slammed and standing moonsaulted, and Butcher has to break up the pin. Butcher no-sells a headbutt and clotheslines Luchasaurus. Bear Bronson tags in, and this makes Lucha mad. Marco tags himself in, and we brawl again. Uh, Marco gets ginned and juiced, and Matt Hardy tags in. He hits a twist of hate uh, for the fel- uh, just for the hell of it, and pins Marco for three. Yay, it's over. So, instead of a feud between Butcher and Blade and Bears, we're getting a feud between Jurassic Express and Bears? Apparently. Because Luchasaurus don't take too kindly 
to how they was treating Marco and how they almost hit Jungle Boy. And we don't take too kindly to that round here. AEW doesn't co- doesn't copy the competition. We have Disruptive Rabbit. Thank you, <laughs> Holden just made a Super Troopers reference in chat, and I'm here for that. When they chucked Marco, you could clearly hear Luchasaurus asking them, Bear fucker, do you need assistance? <laughs> That's such a good movie. It is. Um. Okay, yeah, it was a fucking mess of a match. Matt Hardy's new group is not good. I like how they're just passing Triple B around because they don't know what the fuck to do with them. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, shit, we turned Eddie face. Uh, um, Matt Hardy owns you now. <laughs> um, are we turning Bear Country heel? Like, I feel like they're going to get, like, another, like, chance, and they're going to fucking just destroy Marco, or next week we'll just get Jurassic Express versus Bear Country. Does it matter when they're just fill-in talent? They're not signed to contracts. Oh, Bear Country or not? Yeah. Yeah, but at this point, Jurassic Express is also, like, fill-in talent. (laughs) (laughs) Then we go to Mox and Eddie. Mox is in a bad mood. He admits to purchasing Talking Shop and Mania. Then they say Gallows looks like Forky from Toy Story. Uh, they make fun of the two sweet hand signal. Then Eddie talks, and we go to break. That was fucking weird. That promo was fucking weird. It was, you know, why it was weird because they kept, they were almost like just shoe talking and forgetting that they were supposed to be like talking to the camera. It was, yeah, it was bizarre. Um, and yeah, they went too heavy on the let's make fun of the Bullet Club uh, hand signal, the two sweet. Let's make fun of it. I'm like, and then they forgot the term googly eyes. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, Kingston tried to like bring it back at the end. At the very end, he was like, oh, yo, I'm gonna quote Tupac and you can't come at me because we won't, I don't know, he said something. But <laughs> he tried, but it was just, there was a lot of all over the fucking place. It's almost like WWE scripts things on purpose. You For would think with two guys who have been doing this for fucking 17 years each, that, you know, they'd have a decent idea of what they were going to say before and, they got on camera. And that was the that was the best one? Nobody stopped and went, uh, can you guys talk about, like, the match more? <laughs> right? Nobody was like, can we do that again? <laughs> did, I, did, I did enjoy Mox admitting to purchasing Talking Shop and Mania. Because it popped Eddie, too. That's true. Because that's the point of a promo. Um, when we come back, Dasha is with Christian. She asks him why he's here. Uh, Christian talks about workhorses and how he is one. Uh, he also says he's not here to take anyone's spot, anyone other than Kenny's, that is, which is still taking a spot. And of all spots to take. Uh, he's upset that Kenny stole his time last week, says he knows he needs to prove himself to get a title shot, so I'm sure we'll see him beat Sean Dean or some shit in the coming weeks. Yeah. Uh, and then he'll get a title shot at fucking, um, what do you call it? Uh, double or nothing. Outwork everyone. Let's go back to the arena. Are you buying into this, um, Christian is the best worker in the world 
deal. I, I get it, and a lot of people uh, have said that. John Moxley said so. A lot of people, Jason has said it, if you're in the business, there are things that Christian does. He is phenomenal. Like, the little things in the ring and stuff that, like, normal viewers, I guess, don't get. Which is fine, but Christian's also 47 years old. So why are you portraying him as this Dean Malenko type of technical wizard? Or maybe it's not that, but still, it's like you're making it sound like he can go 45 fucking minutes and he'll be fine. Fucking move for move, counter for counter, let's go. Like, it's just weird that, like, he's, I don't think he's going to be a workhorse. To me, a workhorse now, is somebody like AJ Styles right now. Now, now remember, I haven't seen the Royal Rumble yet. Right. So I, I haven't seen, if you could even call that, what he's done since he came back. But um, I've always been a fan of Christian. Sure. I was enjoyed. I was enjoyed him in, in WWE. I thought, uh, and, and yeah, he's he's obviously a great talent. But yeah, like you said, he's forty-seven. Again, Sting is sixty-one. But you know, it's it's just a weird thing. It's okay. I will say this: when Christian was in the Rumble, he looked like he didn't miss a beat. He was really that good, as far as you know. All the fucking transitions and, and, and like the little things like the footwork and stuff like that. He looked good. He looked like he used to. Um, but that's still weird though that a 47 year old guy is going to be like, I'm the workhorse. I'm going to outwork everybody because now you're putting that pressure that like you better. I'm hold- 47 years old and I'm better than everyone in this company. Yeah. It's, it's a weird character to portray, I guess. I, I don't know why they would go in that direction. Especially as a face. Yeah! Doesn't it feel like almost like a Nick Bockwinkle thing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. Of all the names you could pull out, I was think- Nick fucking Bockwinkle. Well, because I, I was thinking of somebody who, um, you know, was better than everybody else and told you he was better than everybody else at wrestling, specifically. Oh, MJF. At wrestling, specifically. <laughs> um, yeah, this it was just weird from Christian. Again, it's not a promo that you're going to remember, and that's his debut promo for AEW. Um, match number four. Let's go with Moxley and Kingston versus the Good Brothers. The... Um, I know they're not mentioning this on Dynamite, but uh, the former Impact Tag Team Champions, who lost the belts to two singles guys from Japan, who then took the Impact titles back to Japan. <laughs> or at least they went back to Japan, so don't, don't expect to see uh, Impact Tag Team Championships for like another six months. They done Brock Lesnar that shit. They won the belts and left. Brock show. Really? Really? Uh, it, but the forbidden door has been kicked in, don't you know? That's you, still not impact. No, no, the whole. Are you kidding me? All the three forbidden companies. Forbidden door was New Japan. No, all three companies are using that phrase when and talking about themselves. Trust me, 
I know. Um, yeah, but also, still, nobody gives a shit about Impact. No, nobody does. But the point is, uh, they were Impact Tag Champs, and then very quietly, we don't even mention that they're not anymore. Anyway. Nobody cares. They seem to throw it in our fucking face every time they were on screen. All right. Moxley comes out, and they brawl down. Oh, yeah. Okay, so Kingston makes his entrance, and he gets attacked. Moxley comes out, and they brawl down to the ramp at ringside. They brawl for a while, and the Good Brothers hit Mox with a magic killer on the floor. They toss Kingston in the ring, and uh, instead of checking on Kingston, they just ring the bell. Aubrey's just like, all right, yeah. let's go. Come on. Time cues. Here's what I wrote. Mox gets weak to the magic killer on the floor, then they throw Eddie in the ring. Carl follows, and the match begins. Yeah, that makes sense. That was a shitty magic killer. Oh, it was terrible. Kyle Anderson stops on Kingston, and they get a ton of heat on him. Uh, during this, the announcers tell us that Matt Seidel won something on one of their YouTube shows, and therefore, he gets an Eliminator match against Kenny Omega. The fuck is an Eliminator match? Apparently, an Eliminator match is a non-title match, and if Seidel wins, he gets a title shot someday. Well, Not man. Sunday, someday. Dude, what the fuck? <laughs> that's that's a great way to announce the, um, the next opponent for your world champion. Tony announces that on Dark Elevation, Matt Seidel earned a world title eliminator shot, meaning he has a match against Kenny. And if he beats Kenny, then he gets a world title shot against Kenny. Huh. <laughs> okay, continue. Every time you say that, that person then wins and gets their fucking world title shot. And I don't... I don't know. Never mind. I just think it's a stupid fucking way to get there. Like, everybody criticizes WWE for doing that. Like, oh, the the challenger beat the champion in a non-title match, and now they get a title shot. Who the fuck has Matt Seidel even ever beat in this company to be able to get in the ring with Kenny? That doesn't make any fucking sense. Uh, The beating continues on Kingston as Mox crawls up the apron. By the way, I swear to God I've seen Dean Ambrose do the spot with the shield. And then just gets booted back to the floor. Yeah, he just gets booted back down by Gallows to the floor. I think I saw it when the shield were fighting the Wyatt family. And I remember, like... Back then, Luke Harper just like booting Ambrose down back back down to the floor, and him selling it like he was dying, like <laughs> he crawled up to the fucking apron and then got kicked down again. It's like ugh. All right, back from uh okay, so Mox is down the floor. Kingston still gets his uh beating, and we go to box. Back from box, and Kingston finally gets some offense and hits Gallows with a diving shoulder block off the second rope. Eddie then fakes blindness. Did you see that? Yeah. And by fakes blindness, I mean he looks at an empty corner and is surprised that Mox isn't there. And then has to look at each other corner to try to figure out where Mox is. And, And Tony Schiavone tries to be like, oh, his vision is so warped. 
Because they were because they were clawing at his face or something. <laughs> uh, Kingston hits an exploder on Anderson, and this leads to Kingston finally tagging out to Moxley, who comes in and beats on everybody. Mox hits a release Sherman suplex on Anderson and then follows up with a shotgun dropkick. Mox knocks Gallows off the apron and nails Anderson with a murder line. Mox delivers a pile driver and covers Anderson, but Gallows breaks it up. Mox then goes after Gallows and hits a shitty tope suicida. A shitty tope suicida to Gallows on the outside. A tope suicida. Dude, that that was awful. It was the laziest <laughs> fucking dive I've seen him do in a long time. Uh, Mox gets back in the ring, but Anderson catches him with a spine buster, Arn Anderson style. Uh-huh. This gets a two count. They hit the boot of doom, even though Excalibur doesn't know what the fuck to call the move. Uh, but before they can cover, Kingston runs in, so they hit him with a double team, and then Gall- Gallows covers Mox, but after all that time, Mox kicks out. <laughs> Rising knee sends Gallows to the floor with an tope from Moxley. Mox makes a stupid face and re-enters the ring to get spinebustered for two. Gallows tags in, so I guess it wasn't that devastating of a tope. <laughs> Uh, the Good Brothers talk trash to Moxley and set him up for the Magic Killer, but Kingston breaks it up. Kingston clotheslines Gallows over the top rope, but after he lands, Gallows pulls Kingston to the outside and then throws him into the barricade. Mox somehow grabs Carl Anderson in a small cradle and gets the three count. Or a small package. Two. The first match? No. <laughs> I thought you meant with with Mox doing that because I was like, eh. uh, after the okay. So, do you have any thoughts on the match? It was not. It was. It was not great. It felt, um, like they were trying to go for like a chaotic feel. Um. But it just came off as like clunky and awkward. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think they wanted this feel of like, oh, we can't control these guys. They're going nuts. That's not the feeling I got. Uh, after the bell, they immediately beat the shit out of Moxley. Kenny saunters down with a chair. He sits on it over Moxley, but Kingston runs in the ring to knock Kenny off of the chair. The Bullet Club then beat the fuck out of Eddie Kingston and Pillmanize his ankle with the steel chair. Kenny too sweets the Good Brothers and then goes to Pillmanize Moxley's neck. At this point, I'm wondering who's going to come out and save Moxley, and of all fucking people, it's the goddamn Young Bucks. Uh, Kenny argues with them and demand they too sweet him, but the Bucks tell Kenny to fuck off. You know them GDYB? GDYB? MGDYB. What's that? Them goddamn Young Bucks. MGDYB. Uh, Kenny argues with them. And, oh yeah. So Kenny shoves Matt and again demands the two sweet. The Bucks scream at Kenny and point at Don Callis. The yelling continues until Mox revives himself and starts wildly swinging the chair. <coughs> Mox realizes the Bucks... Uh, helped him, but does not, yes. The Bucks refuse to too sweet. Omega gets mad. This is stupid. <laughs> Mox realizes the Bucks, the Bucks helped him, but it does not, uh, but he does not go to thank them or even go over to them. 
Kingston screams on the floor for somebody to help him to get back in the ring, and nobody does. I gotta, I gotta get back in the ring. I gotta get back in the ring. Chill, dude. Fuck. Uh, okay. So here are my thoughts on the after of the match. You know what we're going to get. Here's, here's what I wrote. So that's a thing that happened. Oh, you think it happened? <laughs> it I hasn't even it happened yet. We're I, gonna... I, watched, I watched it happen. Oh, it's the tip of the iceberg. On TNT. You say happened like it's past tense. No, we're going to get um, a special episode of Dynamite where Moxley teams up with the Bucks because Kingston will have a broken ankle and it'll be against Kenny and the Good Brothers. Yay. I like that you say special episode of Dynamite like it's not happening in two weeks. No, they'll, they're not going to team up Moxley with the Bucks and not call the episode something. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to Dynamite! April Fool's Day! <laughs> I mean... I mean, the dynamite after next is on March 31st, so. See? <laughs> uh, back from break, and Shivani is on stage to welcome Sting! When we return, we go to Tony Shivani too, and you're not going to believe this. Talk to Darby and Sting. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Sting comes to the stage. Every goddamn week. Sting comes to the stage in a sweatshirt and tights. <laughs> it's weird, right? The fucking long sleeve, like, thick uh, shirt that he's wearing now. Like, how how out of shape Still, are you, dude? I want to be ready. But also, it's cold. It ain't cold, dude. You're just trying to hide that you're fat and out I, of shape. I'm 61. I get chilled easily. <sighs> Whoa! <sighs> I don't know what's worse, the fucking sweatshirt or Jericho with a shirt off. I mean, I guess when you're 60, you have choices to make. Astro, who has been hanging around despite being completely lost, says Sting is still around. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see here. Good old Stinger. Yeah, so. Good old Stanger. Sting comes out in the sweatshirt, then Darby comes out. Now, follow the bouncing ball here. Shivani puts Darby's toughness over and tries to ask him about his match with Scorpio Sky. Darby ignores the question so that he can complain about how many times he's defended the TNT title since he won it in November. Darby, Darby takes the mic from Tony to complain about not defending his title enough. Darby says he defended it three times. The morons in Jacksonville start to cheer. And Darby cuts them off to explain why that's a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> no! No! Don't cheer that! That's stupid! That's awful! That's fucking three times in four months! What is wrong with you people? Uh, let's see here. Darby says he wants to defend the belt every week and puts over Brody as the greatest TNT champion ever. Shut up, he's dead. Just saying, he had the belt for like five weeks. Whatever they, hey, revisionist history, it's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Uh, he says, anyone in the Dark Order that wants a shot, come and get it. Yeah, the, the belt for five weeks, he still defended it more often than Darby. Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, but not more often than Cody, who defended it against such people as Warhorse. 
and talking war hard. <laughs> uh, he says, anyone in the dark order that wants a shot, come and get it. So that brings out Lance Archer. Archer comes out and interrupts him because he's a heel again. What is this? Archer makes fun of Darby. Yeah. And yells at Sting. Yeah. And then Jake tries to make fun of Darby. <laughs> but then Jake tells a joke, question mark, about Darby needing his bun. And then Jake has to explain because he's a weenie. Uh, did you get what the fuck jake was talking about at first and he's like you need your bun nope you know you know your hot dog bun because because you're a little weenie thanks jake jake i get it they told you to be careful because it's a it's a remember pg-rated show but I don't think remember, they might be that careful. <laughs> you, me- you remember you remember when Jake first came back and he cut that amazing promo and we're like, oh, Jake is so good at promo. Yes. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah, I do remember that. What the fuck happened? <laughs> KT says, confirmed Archer is actually six. Not like, like I, I'm assuming he means years old and not Sean Waltman. <laughs> um... <laughs> What else did Jake say? Jake yells at Sting. And then Jake is saying he should know better like he's a fucking child. Stinger, you should know better. You know me. You know I don't put up with that crap. Um, I apparently missed what else he said. What else did he say? He said then he tells Sting he's going to get what's coming to him. Yes. Then he then he threatens Sting with anal penetration. <laughs> When did he do that? I'm sorry. I don't, remember, I don't remember exactly what he said, but he threatened to stick something up his ass. Oh, yeah. Well, he said Archer would stick it up his ass. Either way. Um. Then what happened? Well, then they just leave. Yeah. Uh, are you going to punch? Them? No, you're just going to. Are you at least going to shove Shivani down? Everybody whines. <laughs> um, then Team Taz come out for the same old, same old, but Brian Cage turns face and gives Sting respect. What the fuck? This is what I wrote. Jake and Archer leave. Tony apologizes, but then he gets interrupted by Taz. What the fuck is going on tonight? So, Brian Cage grabs the mic and he's like, you're not going to talk to me tonight, Taz. You're not going to tell me what to do. And he gives Sting respect and he's like, you are the icon. You are the showstopper. <laughs> you are the main event. Who's the, who's the main event? You are, Stinger. Meanwhile, he takes a shot at Ricky Starks, going, oh, Ricky Starks is wrong. You really are the icon. And then Taz and Ricky Starks and Will Hobbs are like, what are you doing? What are you fuck, doing, man? man? The, the fuck? fuck, man? Come on. Why are you we saying friends? that? You're ruining it. Now who's going to have the FTW title? Right? Oh, good question. Uh... 
So then Team Taz leave. Yep. After after Cage pushes through them, like I'm leaving. Blah. Not pushes them down, mind you, just pushes through them, like oh my way. So then after Team Taz leave, Sting and Darby just leave. Like just, they just whose whose theme song plays? I don't fucking know. Sting's. They played Sting's theme song. Yes. Okay. What I mean, what did what did Sting do during that segment? He started the segment. <laughs> he didn't do a goddamn thing. He looked at people sometimes. I'm not even sure he moved. <laughs> no, he did. He looked up. He looked up when Brian Cage said that he was the icon. He was like, "Hmm, what's hot? You giving me respect?" Sting didn't do a goddamn thing. A goddamn thing. He did nothing. He came out and he stood there <laughs> while other people talked around him. They still played his theme song and they left. Nothing. I like how that's the part that's made you mad. <laughs> I still don't understand what we're doing with Lance Archer. Man, I don't get TV time, man. He's been doing that for months, too. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. That's, Did I interrupt I your time? I didn't even think of that. We're we're right back to the fucking same Lance Archer bullshit from before he turned face when he was when remember that had, when he was having vignettes with Jake on the farm and Jake was complaining about him not getting matches or what the fuck ever. How about when he was beating up jobbers in the locker room and Jake was like, "This man deserves TV time." And he was I like, turn that. around, Jake, and Jake had written on his back, like, everybody dies. Right, he tore Jake's shirt off, because that's not fucking weird. He's like, turn around, old man, and Jake's like, oh, sucks. About to get right. raped again. <laughs> what did, what did you write? <laughs> this, this segment is inexplicable. This is so bizarre. I'm gonna talk to Sting and Darby. Okay, I'm going to talk to Darby. Okay, Darby's just going to steal the mic from me, and then Lance Archer's going to steal the mic from Darby, and then I'm going to take the mic. But then Taz is going to steal the mic from me, and then Brian Cage is going to steal the mic from Taz, and then and then everybody's just going to leave. Okay. There, there are a couple okay. oh, of... I guess I'll go back to commentary. There are a couple of problems besides this, um, what happened in the segment, but more with AEW in general. Because, you know how, like, we always make fun of the big show and Dolph Ziggler? Because they go between being heel and face about six times a year. Yeah. I know that Tony Khan is not a creative person, but he has already had about, let's be honest, seven heel turns in two weeks. Seven heel or face turns. In two weeks' time. Eddie Kingston flipped. Lance Archer has flipped back. Uh, and there's more. There's more coming. So, is that all Khan's great booking ideas are? Is, oh, turn him heel. I'll turn him face. Turn him back to heel. Turn him back to face. <laughs> is Matt Seidel going to lose to Kenny and then turn heel? Your uh, your alignment 
is whatever we need you to be for whatever story we were telling of you. Yeah. So right now, I just need you to go out there and smile and team with uh, team with Pack and Phoenix for a couple of weeks. And then once we're done with that and you lose the ladder match at the pay-per-view, uh, then you can frown again. Okay. <laughs> And you can complain about not getting TV time on TV. <laughs> oh my god, it's so fucking bad. It's bad booking, is what it is. And if they just turn everybody heel and face all the time, it's not going to have any impact when, you know, as it goes on. Law of diminishing returns, right? It just starts to suck after the first couple times. <laughs> Speaking of turning somebody heel face, heel face, uh, we got a nice little promo package from new Scorpio Sky. I say new Scorpio Sky, uh, but this was his promo. Nice guys finished last. Fuck Darby, Sting, and Cody. It's all about me. You know, heel cliche 101. <clears throat> Is he even in SCU anymore? <laughs> was For this... those of you listening at home, Sal shrugged and shook his head. <laughs> <laughs> was this not every heel cliche you've ever heard? Guys yeah. finish last. This time it's all about me. I'm not going to hold back for anyone. I'm mad because all this company cares about is Sting, Cody, and Darby. Man. You want to join Archer? Because right now you sound like him. Just saying, it's, it's repetitive, man. It's very repetitive when you have everybody in your show doing the exact same thing. <laughs> Uh, up next, Ray Phoenix takes on Angelico, who's already in the ring. Is Jack Evans your... dead? Does he have a broken neck? Is it <laughs> from that one time? You know what time <laughs> at, I'm talking at, about. At, at Bandcamp? Uh, we start with your standard Lucha Libre shit. Lots of counters of counters of counters of counters of counters without really accomplishing anything. Phoenix gets a crucifix for two, then another for two, then Angelico locks on some sort of submission before, uh, before going after the taped-up spine of Phoenix. Tony, from another room, throws us to box. It's at this point, by the way, when that submission happened, that Excalibur talks himself into a corner. Because <laughs> he says the first time in Helico and in Phoenix met was in Mexico. And Phoenix, uh, I'm sorry, in Helico learned this. That's where he fell in love with the submission style. And then realized that Phoenix doesn't do any submissions and went, but Ray Phoenix is one of the top flyers in the world. And I'm like, yeah. That nothing to, his submission style has nothing to do with Ray Phoenix's flippy shit, does it? Does it, X? <laughs> we return from half box for a hurricane rata from Phoenix, then a thrust kick and a cutter with needless acrobatics for a two count. Uh, Phoenix wearing his Dark Order outfit tonight, by the way. Hey, proof. Uh, and Helico locks on another leg submission, but Phoenix is right in the ropes for the break. Rolly bullshit ends with a back-and-forth kicks to the face, then a knuckle lock for more Rolly bullshit. Rikishi driver ends on Helico's night. It, uh... It was a match. <laughs> um... Remember, like, a year and a half ago, when Pac was one of the most compelling things on Dynamite? Mm-hmm. He was just remember the before times. He was just Ray Phoenix's cheerleader tonight. He didn't fucking do shit. And it's mm-hmm. not like in Helico had anybody out there either. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Earlier today, Alex Marvez talked to Miro while he was doing chin-ups. Miro's not interested in Chuck's challenge from last week, but Kip is still upset about the wedding. They have a disagreement. Miro only cares about becoming world champion, which is why he's been fighting with the best friends for the past eight months. Um, I did appreciate the joke of the worst thing you can do for your career is have your wife come with you to ringside. Uh, Kip accepts the match and we go back to commentary next week. Uh, well, what'd you think of, of Miro here? Before we do that. The, I, he's the right person to say that about. Or he's the right person to say that rather about, um, don't have your wife come with you to ringside. He's not wrong. But, um, other than that, it was a lot of nothing. Mm. And he's, doing a lot of, he's doing a lot of losing for a guy who only cares about winning. Yeah, and apparently Kip Sabian accepted the match against yes. Cassidy and uh, Chuck, but... That's right, folks. This feud is still going. But Miro just said, like, I want to be world champion. I don't want to fucking do this shit anymore. Like, move on. And Kip was like, you can't move on. So basically, basically, my wife, man. Kip's about to get his his shit kicked in, and we won't see him on Dynamite anymore. And then Mira will be an extra heel, like super heel, like more heel. Maybe, maybe he'll, uh... He'll turn good? Never seen that in this company. <laughs> maybe he'll go back to being a brute. Hmm. Miro the brute. A brute, a brute of Bulgarian origin, perhaps? <laughs> Next week, Nyla Rose versus Ty Conti, FTR and Sean Spears versus the Varsity Blondes and Dante Martin. Why, why, why? Why Dante Martin? Why half of Top Flight? <laughs> Uh, also, Darby's open challenge to the Dark Order. Alex Marvez talks to the Dark Order. Negative One tries to accept the challenge, but they pick John Silver instead. Uh, then they immediately put the match graphic up. That was, that was fucking quick, you guys. Good job. Uh, also next week, Side Al versus Omega with a world title shot on the line. Your main event is next. Except first when we come back from break, we have to watch the Pinnacle take over the Inner Circle's locker room. Thank God we got to see that. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> that, that was an ominous chuckle. Was it weird that we had to have negative one, like, say that on the promo? Like, oh, I accept. And they were like, back off, kid. You're only nine. Like, it seemed a little bit much. I know we've talked about that before. Um, I am there. For John Silver versus Darby Allen. Uh-huh. Uh, I believe it or not, I think they fought in Evolve before. Probably. Probably. They also fought at that little wrestling company on your t-shirt tonight. A little beyond wrestling action. I know both of them went through there at one point. It's funny when you say went through beyond wrestling, because they literally just have anybody at any given time. Yeah. Like Cole Cabana has been there, Orange Cassidy has been there. Fucking um That's the where I that's that's how I found Orange Cassidy was at this show. Wasn't the Street Profits there? Uh no, that was Evolve. That was Evolve. Okay. This, they had a partnership. Alright. It's are you ready? Are you ready? 
No, that's not wrong. Wrong show. Yeah. So, Justin Roberts comes out. Justin Roberts says, at this time, we are going to shut off the lights. And nobody is going to be able to see a fucking thing because we're actually going to have this match in pitch dark. No? Okay. We're going to shut off the lights, but we're going to turn them back on because it's time for our lights out match. (laughs) You don't understand this gimmick. Like... You understand uh, an unsanctioned match. Yeah, I mean, it still doesn't make sense, because if it's unsanctioned, why are you showing it on your TV show? Uh, or oh, your they used to do that on pay-per-views, too. Though. I know, it's still stupid. Um, but, but, yeah, I, the fucking disclaimer. We're about to turn all the lights off, because this is the end of the sanctioned portion of matches for the evening. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, your main event. But you just said the match sanction matches were over. Something like that. It's dumb. It doesn't make any sense, even from a wrestling standpoint. But (laughs) anyway. I think, okay, to be fair, I feel like, and I might be wrong, but my earliest memory of the unsanctioned match was, I think it was... Shawn Michaels and Triple H from SummerSlam 2005. (laughs) What year was that? Anyway. 2002. Two. Fuck. Um, I feel like they had Taker and Mankind do one. Remember that, the H8K shirt? Yes. The Okay, so the original idea of an unsanctioned match, I get it kind of makes sense. Like, the WWE, or whatever, this, you know, in this instance, AEW, will not be held responsible for what happens in this match. I mean, you could probably call it a hold harmless match, and it's a little bit... Okay, Triple H, relax. (laughs) But that's the thing. That's the gimmick. They're not going to be held responsible for what you animals do to each other in this match. That part, I have no problem with, if a feud gets to that point. Um, But the way AEW does it, they just... They convolute the fuck out of it. Like, we're going to shut the lights off because this is actually not happening. And then it's like, and then they use that in canon and they're like, it never actually happened. It was unsanctioned. Motherfucker, you showed it on your TV program for 25 minutes of my life. Seemed pretty sanctioned to me. (laughs) Show's over. Surprise. Show's over, but don't go home because we have this special thing for you that we're not allowed to talk about. Ah. Oh, apparently this match is also false count anywhere. Was that the case with Janela and Omega? That was like 14 months ago. You think I remember? You were there, man. You remember King of the Ring 2000? That was fucking 21 years ago. Barely. You remember getting a fucking... um, Getting bamboozled by Bob Backlund. Scamming you out of 10 bucks. How can I forget that? <laughs> All right. KT says, so does that make Phoenix versus Angelico the main event on Dynamite? Uh, apparently. Yes. And they can each brag about that now, too. All right. So as uh, Thunder Rosa makes her way into the ring, uh, Rebel hits her with a crutch. Shocking. I don't want to be a crutch. 
Rosa chases her up the ramp. Uh, Tony Schiavone basically concedes at this point. He's like, oh, it's not, it's no rules. So she can do that. Uh, Britt Baker hits a spear through the ropes on Rosa, then drops her with a kryptonite crunch on the stage. But Rosa kicks out at one. Fuck you, Britt Baker. Baker tosses Rosa off the stage and tries to hit her with a chair, but Rosa moves out of the way. Rosa grabs the chair and throws it at Britt's face. So we're we're throwing chairs at people's faces now. Jesus. Alright. We're going. <laughs> we're not even going to like Edge and Mick Foley levels of violence. We're like going all the way back to Sabu levels of violence against like the Sandman. You've lost me. Uh, it just means an extreme level of violence. <laughs> uh, what'd you think of that chair shot when she threw it in her face? I enjoyed it. Okay. <laughs> but what? It, it, I mean, it kind of made Brent look like a moron. Right. She was like, which way did she go? Which way did she, she go? She swings, she swings the chair at, at Thunder Rosa sitting against the barricade and Rosa moves, mm-hmm. but Brent still like starts just mugging for the camera like, I'm the best, I'm the best. Yeah. There's a charity fight. Um, I, I, it's weird. I know how you feel about garbage hardcore wrestling, but I personally never have had a problem with chairs because we grew up on chairs. Everybody got hit with a chair. Now, granted, I understand why you. I had chairs in my house. (laughs) Granted, I understand why you don't hit people in the face anymore with chairs. I totally get that. Um, but yeah, chairs, man. Chairs, man. <laughs> uh, speaking of chairs, Rosa wears out. And chairs to you as well. <laughs> Rosa wears Baker out with the chair and hits Rebel with it. Uh, Rosa chokes Baker with the chair and then throws her into the front row. Thunder sits, uh, sits Baker in a chair and goes for a rolling senton, but at the very last second, except for it wasn't, it was like five minutes before, uh, Britt Baker moves and Rosa crashes like through the chair. It was. It just kind of gently tipped over backwards. Yeah. Baker gets another one count and tosses her back to ringside. Baker throws Rosa into the side of the stage and then pulls out a table from underneath the ring. We want tables. Baker sets the table up and then. She then curb stomps Thunder Rosa's face onto the steel steps. Mm-hmm. If you thought that Seth Rollins versus Rey Mysterio match was violent. <laughs> and, t- and Tony gives Thunder Rosa shit for falling for it. Yes. Well, of course she was going to do that. How'd you not see, how could you not see that coming? Because Tony's an asshole. Um <laughs> I'm not going to lie, I, I, I had to go back and watch that again. Because I was like, oh, fuck! She's dead, right? Like, if Seth did that to fucking... When Seth did that to Ray, he lost an eye. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was that was fucking... Well, it's all fun and games, so. Yeah. No, that was fucking brutal. Um, uh, Britt tosses a bunch of chairs in the ring, again... What are those three letters? And uh, Thunder Rosa is bleeding, a.k.a. Thunder Rosa bladed. But, you know, 
she trained in Mexico, and she's a legit fighter, so I have no problem with Thunder Rosa bleeding. At this point. Uh, Britt rolls Thunder into the ring as we go to box. Any thoughts before I continue on what we've seen thus far? Yeah, I was ouchie. Yeah. I was ouchie. Uh, back from box. This was ouchie too. Back from box, and we see Britt Baker suplexing Thunder Rosa onto a stack of chairs. Not just suplexing. Superplexing. Superplexing. Yes, excuse me. Superplexing. Uh, that was like Big Show fucking Brock Lesnar levels of violent, right? Didn't they do that in that match? Or Angle and Lesnar? Something like that. Uh, Rebel hands Britt Baker a ladder. I mean, if you're gonna go all out, I guess. Uh, but Thunder Rosa Bulldogs Baker onto the ladder? And it's at this point, I'm pretty sure that, that Britt gets busted open. I think it was the next one. All right, because they sell it big time a, a little bit later. But uh, Rosa hits a pair of flying knees in the corner and then wedges Baker in the corner with the ladder. Rosa drop kicks the ladder into Baker's face. Okay, so that I think might that's that. Yeah, that was it. Because that's when you saw her roll around the ground and hold the top of her head, a.k.a. Blade. Uh, Rosa pulls out another table, and we see that Dr. Britt Baker is indeed bleeding. So, I just want to point this out. I'm not saying it's a good or bad thing. It's just something I noticed. Britt Baker gets uh, busted open a few months ago on Dynamite by accident, right? But somehow they've turned this into, like, a thing where she's, like, she's, like, girl who bleeds everywhere all over the place now. Wow. I said that out loud, and I instantly regret it. Yeah. (laughs) I thought you might. <sighs> uh, Thunder Rosa bites Britt Baker. Uh, Gross. On the cut. Gross. Uh, but then gets super kicks. That's how, that's how you get hit. Baker hits a flatliner onto the ladder as blood is covering Britt Baker's face. Uh, it looks like a bad horror movie. Efforts, blood that is actually pouring out of her face. This is real life. <laughs> Baker goes to the top, but Rosa cuts her off and hits a super Death Valley driver onto the ladder. Kinda. But yeah, it looked clunky. Um, one, two, and Britt Baker kicks up. Rosa sets Freddy's, up. A... Freddie's coming for you. <laughs> Doc Waters coming for you. Evil Uno and Stu are coming for you. <laughs> Rosa sets a chair up in the ring, but Baker catches her with ADT onto it, and then she curb stomps her onto it. Yes. <laughs> Thunder Rosa grabs this chair from the pile. Yep. From the superplex pile. It is, it is already dented. The seat cushion is already bent. Britt, Britt throws what was honestly a fairly weak DDT. Onto this chair. And Excalibur tries to make it like it got dented from the DDT. I'm like, motherfucker, it was dented when she set it up. Look at that dent. Yeah, but she made it worse. (laughs) Uh, As Thunder... So, by the way, this is getting to the 
the levels of a buck a bucks match now where they're going to do one crazy spot after another and none of it really matters because everybody's kicking out of everything kt says so hardware women's match with blood everywhere and no priscilla kelly no she's uh somewhere else yes so thunder rosa kicks out after the curb stomp yeah and then Britt baker looks into the camera like hardcore okay. Not hardware she looks into the camera like Mick Foley when he had like the tooth hanging out of his face in that Hell in a Cell match against Taker. <laughs> and his face is just like mangled. And that's how Britt Baker looked. Only instead of mangled, it was just pouring blood. Just blood everywhere. And I'm like... She's wearing that proverbial crimson mask. Crimson mask? She looks like she fucking got covered in a bucket of it. A la Carrie from 1976. Dude, it was fucking Gross. This is on cable television. What would the censors say? Uh, Britt Baker then, she goes fucking full Cactus Jack, and she grabs a bag from underneath the ring and proceeds to pour thumbtacks out onto the map. Okay. So Rebel passes her the glove, and commentary goes, oh, the glove. Then a black bag. I've been watching wrestling for 30 years. You've been watching wrestling for 30 years. When that bag appears, has it ever, ever, ever been anything other than thumbtack? Yes. Many times. It was Legos just a couple months ago. You don't remember that? But JR and Tony act like they have no idea what could possibly be in this bag. Um, to be fair, I You know even... what it should have been? <sighs> you know what it should have been? What? Because she's a dentist. Teeth? Should have should have been a bag of teeth. Ew, imagine <laughs> a bag of teeth? It's like a whole bunch of them? Oh, that'd be so fucking disgusting. That was, that was the joke that I wrote when I told you that I'd written a joke. <laughs> I went, surprise, it's a bag of teeth. Tax. I meant tax. Um, also, I would like to point out that one time I saw where it was a bag of broken glass. That was fucked up. You might have saw that, too. I don't remember. I don't remember where I saw it, to be honest. Because I know I saw it in TNA with Abyss once, but that was TNA. I thought I saw it in the WWE, too, but I don't remember what match. Somebody, somebody, let me know. Somebody, yeah, we'll get, we'll get tweets. That vaguely rings a bell. Broken glass being poured out of a black bag because these people are fucking animals. Uh, yeah, so she pours the thumbtacks onto the mat. Baker then goes for the fisherman's buster, but Rosa blocks it. Uh, only for Rebel to come after her with a crutch. Rosa ducks and hits Rebel with the crutch and then drops her, drop kicks her through the ropes through the, uh, table. Kind of. It was weird. Baker grabs Rosa and lifts her and puts, uh, but Rosa escapes and power bombs Britt Baker onto the tax. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. KT says, so thumbtacks and a no DQ match. Also because it's TNA EW. Why didn't we just lean into this and call it a monster's ball? Cause it's lights out. That's why. You know what? He's got a point. 
It already has a dumb name. It was very Monsters Ball. That is a very valid point. Yeah, dude. Okay. So she got so she gets power bombed on her thumbtacks. Thumbtacks. That's the end of it, right? First of all, before we continue, your thought on the power bomb onto the thumbtacks? I love I love a good thumbtack spot because as we've as we've said as has been said before it 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 looks a lot worse than it actually is. Sure. I mean, yeah, it's, it sucks that you especially when when you're hot sweaty from having rolled around because even those tacks that are the flat side of the tax will still t- stick to you because you're sweaty. Right. So she she st- gets up and her back is covered in silver, but a lot of it is just condensation stickage. But no, I get power bump. I I, power I completely get that it's not actually as vicious as it looks, but it looks fucking insane. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the power bomb on attacks. That's that's the finish, right? Um, wait, 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 wait. The thing is, though, and God knows what they were doing 20 years ago, but remember when Foley got pedigreed onto the tax? Yeah. And there was, like, one literally sticking out of his fucking eyebrow? Yep. That was fucked up. (laughs) Just saying. Maybe it's better now, but... (laughs) Mick Foley's like, wait, you can gimmick tax now? (laughs) <clears throat> no, uh, that's not the finish because um, Britt Baker kicks out. Yep. So this has gone full Young Bucks at this point. Everybody just kicks out of everything. Uh, Britt manages to come back and surprise Thunder Rosa with the lockjaw, but Rosa rolls backwards, uh, slamming Baker into the tax again to break it up. That was pretty genius. That was. Baker super kicks Rosa, causing her to fall through the ropes. Yes. Did I miss something? Thrust kick. Oh, no, super kick. Uh, Causing her to fall through the ropes onto the apron. Baker climbs up to the top, but Rosa cuts her off and pulls her down into a fire thunder driver through the table. In this. That was on the floor. That was on the floor. Yes. From the apron through the table on the floor. And this finally gets the three count. Um, that was something. Your thoughts on one of the most violent matches I've seen in the past fucking ten years? That was something for sure. I will. I know that there's a lot of people that are criticizing this match this morning. I tell you what, the brutality of the whole thing was just—it was just uh, uh, expounded upon by Jr. throwing to the movie. But, you know. Well, he's, yeah. Um, no, there were a lot of people that didn't like this for various reasons. Um, I will say this, that both girls, fuck, dude, they beat the fuck out of each other. Um, so my hat's off to them for, for committing and, and having that type of physical match. Now, do I think that's a good thing that we got violent garbage bloody wrestling between two women on a TNT show uh, I don't know it was something it definitely was something yeah but it was uh, it was Troy or Jason I can't remember now without going back who, who made the point in the host thread that, that 
AEW at this point, they goes to the blood so often that it lacks any punch at this point. Well, it, it I would definitely agree with that in terms of Moxley, in terms of, um, you know, somebody like Cody. But, you know, I'm, uh, the truth is, though, I've never seen two women put themselves through a match like this in a long fucking time. So, as much as we, we've seen it from this company, it is definitely unique to see it from two women, would you say? Were you surprised that, that, that the Thunder Rosa won the feud? Ultimately, no. I feel like faces, when it gets to that personal, the feud should always win at the end of the mm-hmm. day. Um, and there was, you know, I thought Britt definitely probably, uh, definitely probably, I do that all the time. It's definitely going to be one of her most remembered matches for better or worse. Certainly. Certainly. And I, I don't want to say this match was awesome or that, you know, this match was great or anything like that because it. To me, it's not, and again, I'm fucking 38 years old, so I'm a different person than I was when I was 22, but um, to me, it's not awesome to see this type of brutality. Um, I, and it's not just a women thing, because, you know, I don't want to see Cody and Moxley fucking try to scrape each other's eyeballs out. Like, not, that's not like entertaining for me. Did this fit the feud at this point? I think so, because we, we've... The only other thing that would have been um, acceptable would have been like a cage match. But as far as the brutality, yes, I think it did fit the feud, because these two have just done vile things to each other for the past, you know, six months. You know, and it, and it was it, it not like vile, like violence, but like... Personal shit, like Brit drawing on fucking Thunder Rosa's face and being like, oh, how's that makeup? Or like, you know, Thunder Rosa, um, or like all the involvement from Rebel with like the crutch and like, I, these two hate each other. These two despise each other. I did get that feeling. Okay. Did you not get that feeling? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It, uh, yeah, I mean, to, just to clarify, there is a difference between a hardcore match and what we call the, the garbage wrestling. Uh, and this was closer to, to hardcore for me. This was that style. There was no stupid bullshit that could right, kill like, somebody. Like when Janela uh, and fucking, um, Kenny, like, decide they're going to have bombs and light tubes, that's garbage wrestling. Yeah. yeah. So. But this was more hardcore, absolutely. But it, but it, not only that, it was... Shit, man, but it was violent hardcore. Like, just the ending spot with that... It, it essentially was an air raid crash through the table. Like, fuck shit. These girls are going to kill each other. By the way, for anyone listening at home, don't... If, if you're looking for information on this match... Make sure to be specific in your Google terms. Don't just 
Google two women hardcore, you, you won't get what you're looking for. Um, all right, overall, dynamite overall, what you think? Last week I was excited for the booking coming out of dynamite, and this week we got a very mixed bag, as we typically get with this show. But there was a lot of things that made me go, huh? But then there were some good things, like MJF's group and his promo. Yeah. Or um, the way that we kind of got John Silver a TNT title match. It's kind of cool. Like, I like that. It's not going to win. But no. It'll be enjoyable. But yeah, that's what I said. I'm down for Silver versus Darby. I think that could be fun. I think those two will, will fucking go. At a hundred miles an hour. <laughs> um, I was trying to think of anything else that happened on this episode. I'm over the whole Matt Hardy stuff. I don't care. Yeah, maybe we've been saying that for weeks now. Um, that's the whole fucking Sting promo, dude. You said this last no, week. No, no, there was no Sting in that promo. <laughs> the whole fucking promo that had Sting in it. Um, I'll hear it. Near it. Next next to it. You said this last week. They're trying to fit 20 pounds of shit into a 5-pound bag. We have to have, on in this segment, Sting, Darby, Lance, Jake, Taz, Ricky Starks, and Brian Cage. And a Brian Cage face turn. Oh, yes. And a Brian Cage face turn. And a Jake Roberts joke that got over like a fart in church. What? Why did we have to pack this into literally six minutes and 30 seconds or whatever it was? Yeah. That was just chaos. And not, uh, not good chaos. Um, yeah, so I like, I like the pinnacle. Um, I'll say I enjoyed the main event. Alien? Uh, yeah. It was definitely. But the rest of it, there was a lot, there was a lot of dynamite this week where you're just left going, Okay, but why? Yeah. Yep. Again, I think, I think they hit their main points. Main event came off, you know, very intense. Um, the pinnacle explained why they're there and why they're awesome. And that felt good. Um, but the shit with, with Bear Country and and, exactly what I was going to say. Why did we need need a 10 man tag? That was weird. Uh, speaking of weird. Phoenix and, and, and Helico was, was more weird than entertaining because it was just like you said, why? Phoenix and Angelico was the piss break before the, uh, the lights out match. Yeah. Exactly. Which so, is weird. Hello? Yeah. Uh, yeah, like, it was just, there was a lot this week that just didn't, Didn't feel like it fit. And <laughs> I had just said last week I was excited for the different creative directions they were going in. And now I don't know where they're going. And I don't know who's a baby face and who's a heel. And I get it, it's twenty twenty one. But you're purposely having a heel tunnel and a baby face tunnel, so Yeah. Scorpio went out the tunnel that they just they just came in through. Speaking of which, didn't Jake and Lance come out of the face tunnel? 
<laughs> I think that, well, Team Taz is already in the heel tunnel. Oh, I just see. Wait, just waiting. Waiting for their turn to interrupt. Uh, is this Cody and Pentafew going to continue? Unfortunately. Wait, you know, that match was not bad. I enjoyed it. Um, minus the finish. I was going to say, but it, it, it got hit with another one of those AEW. Uh, oops, over. So, in the past we've said, and I've said this in other programs and other people have said this, that at least AEW doesn't really do DQ finishes, which is true. But instead, they do a lot of quick, sudden finishes that make no fucking sense. <laughs> They're not too good for that trope. <laughs> High impact move, high impact move, high impact move, high impact move. We got two of them this week. Yeah, high impact move, high impact move, kick out, kick out, kick out. Uh, Inside cradle win. Wait. (laughs) Are you looking forward to anything on next week's episode of Dynamite? Like uh, Nyla Rose versus Ty Conti? No, no, I'm not. Silver and Darby. Silver and Darby, sure. Silver and Derby. Silver and Derby. Alright, wrong season. Um, I'm sure we'll talk to Sting again. Sting? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like tomorrow, Tony, Tony was at the mall and lost him. Sting? <laughs> Sting? <laughs> I think playing so. heavy. Playing he- that scene in Heavy Rain, but the kid's name is Sting. Oh my god. Sting! Uh, yeah, they got, They do realize they do not need Sting on the stage every week. They can do a backstage. Have you seen this 61-year-old? They can do a pre-tape. I don't know. It's oh. just that... That By the whole, way, that whole segment was just mind-boggling. Speaking of which, Scorpio Sky has this huge heel turn last week, but yet MJF and his new group get all the headlines. Scorpio Sky's heel turn feels like an afterthought. And this you week, got a vin, you got a vignette. And I was gonna say, and then this week, instead of having him cut a promo in the ring. We get a vignette, and it's a cliched one at that. Speaking of cliches, um, Christian Cage finally speaks and says nothing. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Like, what did he, you know? Kenny, I'm going to come after you eventually. But for yeah. now, I'm just going to get some wins. Yeah, I guess I got. I guess I got to win some matches first. But I'm not taking anybody's spot. I just got to win some matches first. I'm not taking anybody's anybody's spot, spot. but I want to match with Kenny, the the top guy in the company. Hey, you know, we could have gave that spot to like uh, Lance Archer when he was a face. I'm sure at some point we will, but for now, I'm just gonna fight Kenny. But again, I'm not taking any spots. Do we have any news this week? Uh, a bunch of stuff. Uh, all right. Brody Lee Jr. has been a semi-regular on AEW Dynamite since his father's passing late last year. Amanda Huber addressed some criticism of that this week. Um, 
post, she posted to Instagram uh, on her Instagram stories to comment uh, on some things fans have expressed regarding the idea that AEW is exploiting her son and how it's been a way for uh, young Brody to feel like he's missing, uh, uh, feel like he's part of something. Writing, quote, I've loved pro wrestling my entire life. It's been my world for 19 years now. I still love it more than most things in the world. I try to ignore the shit online, but I know, but know that I see it. I see the snide comments about Brody's involvement, the one, the use of the word exploitation. It's disheartening. Our world crumbled. AEW has helped us pick up the pieces. It's easy to be distrustful of any corporation, and I'd be lying if I didn't constantly think the rug was going to get pulled out from under me. It hasn't. Even when it felt like everything was pulled out from under me, this wasn't. They let Brody feel like he's a part of something. Notice there's no storylines involving him, just him being connected to a huge part of him that's missing. What everyone doesn't see on the other side of social media is a kid who's carrying so much grief yet so much joy. A kid who's excelling in his therapy, a kid who, despite the worst few months of his life, got 10 A's and 3 B's on his report card last week. On days we go to AEW, you're all missing him doing his schoolwork from a hotel room because going to AEW is a privilege, or sitting with uh, sitting with Auntie Mega, Mega, uh, working on math problems. They also make me feel like I'm part of something. We make the drive every other show so I can spend the time with people who remind me of the best parts of being alive. People like Mega and Margaret Stalvey who sit in the crowd next to me and let me vent and cry and laugh and breathe in a world that wants me to be weighed down with grief. My Instagram isn't grief porn. It's never going to be a place where I just want people to come and feel sorry for me. It's photos of my journey. So come join me. Just know I didn't die the day my husband did. I'm very much alive and full of light. I'm not made of glass. I'm a diamond. And like a wise friend shared with me, hard times put the shine on the diamond, unquote. So it's it's been mentioned. We we haven't used the word exploitation, but it has been mentioned that uh, it's a little weird, if you as you, you, you stated earlier, that um, they keep using negative one in this way but uh what do you think of that if the child's mother not only has no problem with it but is actually encouraging it i totally understand um and that's completely fine and i am glad that this gives the kid you know joy uh admits these times especially what he went through the weird part for me is again going back to the watch wrestling for 30 years thing i've seen how promoters treat people or act and i've seen what promoters have done to people just you know that get it they have a buzz or have a, a a way to get people to talk about them, and again, the kid's nine, so to me, I have no problem with him hanging out there and being, you know, with all the wrestlers and stuff like that, it's just, if you're going to sit here and tell me that Tony Khan's only intention is to make um, Brody Jr., you know, feel good and, and have fun... I, I just, it's hard for me to buy that. I'm sorry. Tony Khan is a promoter. At the end of the day, there's a reason he has negative one in certain segments at certain times in certain spots. That's all I'm saying. Again, far be it for me, if his mother has no problem, great. Cool. I'm just saying, man. Like, What do you think? Uh, I, I get it. Um, I understand what you're saying, where it it, it can come off as um, 
like when you buy a homeless guy a Happy Meal, but you make sure you videotape it so you can put it on Facebook. Okay, you said that last week. You said you said when Cody came out there and handed his weight belt to the disabled <laughs> person in the crowd, you were like, oh, let's make sure the cameras catch it. I know we're cynical, but it's it's a thing. <laughs> it's a thing that that rich people do. Like you said, buy the homeless guy Happy Meal, but make sure the cameras see it. All right, update on a story uh, that we had about, uh, let's say, what, six months ago? Seven months ago, which was an update on a story we had about a year ago. AEW has offered an update on future Dynamite Live event dates, with the company announcing changes for several previously scheduled events in Boston, Philadelphia, and Rochester, New York. Uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, at the Laia Chorus Center uh, on April 7th, has been rescheduled for Wednesday, October 6th. Um, Boston, Massachusetts at the Aganis Arena, which, uh, was originally April 15th and was then August, I want to say 18th, but that might not be right. Uh, and is now, was then April 21st, is now September 8th. Uh, Rochester, New York at the Blue Cross Arena in Rochester on June 16th is now September 29th. Um, Fans who have already purchased tickets to any of these shows will have their original tickets valid for admission to the events, or they can receive a refund through their point of pre- uh, point of purchase. Um, so yeah, they're still they're still pushing dates back. Not surprising. I I half jokingly commented on it uh, last week when the uh, when the uh, uh, not double or nothing. What's the next pay per view? Is it double or nothing? It's double or nothing in May. Yeah, when the double or nothing commercial was for Daly's Place. I was like, oh, so I guess that uh, April show in Boston's not happening. Um, so that's where we're at at this point. Philadelphia, October 6th. Boston, September 8th. Rochester, September 29th. So I still have my tickets. Um, should be vaccinated by then, so we'll see what the fuck happens. Yeah, but that being said, don't you have the option in that in that um, press release? Didn't they say something like you have the option to get a refund? Yeah. Dude, just get a refund at this point. I mean, yeah. It's to come? <laughs> I got no time, man. I'm not I'm definitely not gonna have time in September and October. That's always like a busy time of year. Alright. Uh yeah, let's do this one. Yeah. Few here. Um so, do you know about the the surveys that WWE sends out? The fan council. I do not. Okay, I uh, I am on this fan council. They, I guess, just WWE sending out surveys. Typically, the surveys are um, about Raw, SmackDown, NXT, or if there was a pay per view, they'll ask, "Did you watch the pay per view? Where'd you watch the pay per view?" Okay, stuff like that. You know, do you like these storylines? What's your, what's your, what's your favorite storyline on this show? What's your favorite storyline on this show? Who's your favorite superstar? Um, a recent survey that they sent out, I, I did not, uh, get this one, uh, was asking fans, uh, questions about, uh, companies outside of WB, including, uh, New Japan and AEW, uh, asking if they watch, uh, what they like or dislike about the companies. Uh, asks how they keep up with content, uh, as well as, uh, favorite characters, favorite promos, uh, if wrestlers have creative freedom and can speak their minds. Uh, again, also questions about New Japan, Impact, and Ring of Honor. Um, it's just, uh, odd, because I, like I said, I've never seen, and I, I got a survey the other day, it wasn't this one, it was, a, it was literally a survey of 
How, uh, when's the last time you watched SmackDown Raw and NXT? What's your favorite storyline from SmackDown Raw and NXT? Okay, thanks. Um, let me think about them asking about, uh, other companies now. I'm a little bit anti-survey anyway. <laughs> With 99% of the shit in my life. Um, I hate that, that everybody does that now all the fucking time. But also, um, to be honest, they didn't ask me what content I wanted to see move over to Peacock when they launched in April. So, you know, the stuff that fucking matters. So if they're going to ask me about my AEW wrestling watching habits or my New Japan watching habits, um, go fuck yourself. None of your business. <laughs> How about that? How about suck my fucking nut bag? Gang? Because I'm not going to tell you how much I watch so you can sit there and be like, oh, well, uh, we see that 99% watch during this time, so we'll bring back The Rock and put him... No, I'm, just, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But at the same time, if you're wondering what everybody likes about those companies, that's a problem. <laughs> You should be worrying about what we don't like about your company. <laughs> don't give me that bullshit. What's your favorite storyline? Tell me what I don't tell me or ask me what I don't like about Raw. I'll have a lot to say then. Britt Baker recently interviewed by the Miami Herald. She discussed a variety of topics, including the criticism of the AEW's women's division and what has been the turning point for growth of women's stars within the company. Uh, Baker specifically uh, said that patience was needed when AEW first got started with things starting to pay off for the women's wrestling, uh, roster, saying, quote, I've said from day one when people were criticizing our division that you have to have patience. We're a new company, a new brand, a new division. Most of us had not had a single minute of TV time, and we really got thrown in the deep end. We had a year and a half to have a 10-minute live TV match with commercial breaks, and don't forget to work the hard cam and this and that. It was a growing process, and I think now people have started to realize that all we needed was a little bit of time. Sooner or later, we're going to prevail, and we're going to be one of the strongest, if not the strongest, women's division in all of wrestling. It's, uh, it, it is certainly a point to make that, um, I mean, we've talked about it. AEW doesn't do house shows, mm-hmm. uh, so there's no... Uh, no opportunity other than live TV, or in this case, uh, every other week live TV. So, I mean, it certainly, it certainly makes, it certainly is an argument that makes sense to me. Where, you know, you're saying, yes, there are issues, but that comes from a place of, uh, kind of learning as we go, being thrown out of the frying pan into the fire, you know? I, I agree with you in that it makes sense. Um, <laughs> I think I think the best way to solve that problem is by putting people with zero to little match experience on TV. I mean, I think that, you know, that's how you solve that problem. Um, because even though we got Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker, who, you know, have been working for a while, at least Thunder Rosa has. Uh, we also got Jade. Hmm. So, you know, <laughs> instead of finding time on television on your main show, um, 
for two girls that need time and can can go out there and you know uh, show you a good match and and get more comfortable being on TV, we use that time for Jade because Jade's more important right now because she's had two matches in her entire life. But we put a lot of money into her, so we got to get her on TV. Yeah. <sighs> That's the thing. I, I I hope that Britt Baker is right. I hope this division's best days are ahead of them. Um, I want to see compelling women's wrestling. I like compelling women's wrestling. And if the company actually books compelling women's wrestling, then I'm there for it. I've got news for you. Tay Conti versus... Nyla Rose isn't really that compelling. The best thing that could happen is Tay wins. I don't really see that happening. <laughs> and even still, what is her character? Anna's not even on TV anymore. So she can't even be Anna's best friend right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I end- And I know that Big Swole is going through some health problems. So, you know... I wish her the best, but what characters have they developed in the women's division outside of Britt Baker? Their champion? Eh. <sighs> eh. Remember when they had like hours and hours dedicated to the, um, the Nightmare Collective? Thank God. All right. Last thing I have this week. <clears throat> we briefly touched on it earlier. Uh, Tony Khan appeared on uh, the debut episode of AEW Dark Elevation to make a match uh, for next week's Dynamite, as we mentioned, Omega versus Seidel. Um, this is Khan's first on-screen appearance as an authority figure on AEW TV. He has, uh, of course, appeared on Impact. as uh, Wonderful commercials. Uh, Khan said on Elevation that he didn't want to appear on camera, but said Omega made him do it because Omega has been avoiding giving Seidel a match despite promising him one. Um, if you have not seen the promo, it's not good. It's, uh, yeah. For Tony those, Khan so- for Tony, those. Khan, Tony Khan sounds like a middle schooler performing in a school play. <laughs> Here's your lines, go. What are you saying? For those of you that have watched Shane McMahon on Monday Night Raw in the past couple weeks and have complained about that, and trust me, I'm there. I'm with you. Um, as bad as that is, it does not compare to as bad as Tony Khan is. It was, uh, yeah, it was not, uh, it was not. Somebody in the, in the host there posted a, uh, uh, a meme of it's that one from the office where it's like corporate wants you to tell the difference between these two pictures and then the, the punchline is they're the same picture and one was a picture of uh vince russo on nitro and the other one was tony khan from elevation and my my comment was yeah vince russo cuts a better promo he does um 100 fo- following the show uh, tony shivani addressed uh, khan uh making an appearance uh via twitter saying, quote, I know Tony Khan very well. He never wants to take up TV time with an appearance, but needed to deliver a message tonight on Elevation in an out of to an out-of-control Kenny Omega. He's never done that on Dynamite and never intends to, but tonight he was the only one that could do it. Uh, now, of course, in, a, in May 2020, AEW 
star and EVP Cody Rhodes tweeted that he hopes AEW never has an on-air authority figure, calling them insulting in this era. Uh, Cody wrote in response to a fan question at the time, hopefully never. The audience isn't dumb. They know who management is. Authority elements seem insulting, seem insulting in this era. This is just my opinion, as there's always a, there's a lot of fun ways to do this, and I respect those. Uh, times they are changing, Sal. So. Oh, yeah, um, right. Okay, so let me ask you this. Um, let's... He, he mentioned they know who's in charge. So let's talk about the people who were in charge of their promotion and were also an on-screen uh, talent. So Eric Bischoff comes to mind. And I think I think Bischoff was good. I think he was really good in his role. You mean 2021 Hall of Fame inductee Eric Bischoff? Um. I think Eric Bischoff was better in his role on Nitro than he was on Raw all those years later. But I would say Eric Bischoff... Why, you didn't like HLA? I would say Eric Bischoff is top tier as far as on-screen. I'm not... What would you like me to say to that in 2021? No, sell me completely. What would... What exactly would you like... (laughs) You almost bait... Like, you're going to bait me. Like, go ahead, Sal. Go ahead. Comment on HLA in 2021. I, I can't bait you. You're not my type. So, I would say Bischoff was good in his role. Vince McMahon was obviously, at times, really, really good, and at times made people bark like a dog. <laughs> say it and dog. <laughs> and there was also times where he would dance. You know. And then he used the N-word. I don't know. Was that on TV? Yes. Or was that on a pay-per-view? I couldn't remember. What about uh, Dixie Carter on TV? (laughs) 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 Um, Paul Heyman was good. Paul Heyman, I know you didn't see much of him, but Paul Heyman was good. He owned the company. Uh, Yeah. You mean mean when he was the GM of SmackDown? No. I'm at ECW. Oh. Okay, so. Yeah, I don't get that channel. WWE, WCW, TNA, and... Oh, what about Hogan and Bischoff and TNA? They didn't own the company. Dixie still owned it. She was still fucking there during that time. Uh, ECW... Billy Corgan was on TV at one point in TNA. The less said about that, the better. <laughs> Um, okay, so of all the owners we've seen as on-screen talent, Tony Khan's probably the easiest one to make fun of. <laughs> I mean, I mean yeah. it's just, it's like, it's so fucking easy. Like, see, I saw that promo that he cut on, promo, if you want to call it that. He, for, for one thing, he looks like a fucking goof he looks like a mark he looks like the biggest nerd in the world like worse than cutler um, comes up there and it's in his glasses and his froofy hair he has no and i get it it's not his forte but he has no presence there's no like oh shit tony khan's here yeah you know who we could take a lesson from his fucking father his father looks like a mean son of a bitch <laughs> Shao Kahn, you know, Mortal Kombat. 
I mean, if Tony Khan starts coming out there and dynamite and starts screaming at people, are you going to believe it? Kenny, let me tell you something. This is my show, you, Kenny. You've been out here for too long, and you you don't make the matches. I make the matches, and you promised that you were going to give him a match, and so on. Dynamite, you're going to have a world title eliminator match, and if Matt Seidel beats you, then he gets a world title shot. Okay, thanks to those, those cookies and juice in the green room. Good job, kiddo. You're right. When I when I did the invitation, it, I was giving him too much credit. <laughs> it did. It sounded like he was a middle school kid in a play trying to trying to remember his lines. Although, Mister Pro Wrestler, who's also a big part in this company. Um, when Cody has to play the EVP, he doesn't exactly do a good job either. <laughs> like, remember when he time. came out there the, with a the headset? The one time he did that, yeah. Oh, that was so bad. <laughs> the telemarketer headset, yeah. That I'm was in park. so fucking bad. Come on, Taz. Let's, let's, uh, let's keep it going. Let's, uh, let's go to the next segment. Like, shut up. <laughs> I'm gonna turn my back on you because I'm a fucking moron. Oh, Tasmission! Oh no! <laughs> but and even like yeah. like the typical Cody delivery is one thing, but Cody as like man in charge, oh man, it's bad. It's like, uh, guys, can we uh, can we cut his mic? Huh? Can we can we wrap him up? Hmm? Maybe. Those of you listening at home, uh, Sal was doing a jaunty little head bop during that. <laughs> All right, that wraps up week 74 of the AEW Rundown. Uh, as always, be safe, stay sane, be kind, follow your protocols. Uh, just be good to one another, please. Uh, thanks to everyone uh, for hanging out with us tonight in the chat. Thanks to KT, uh, as always. Astro, Holden, thank you, friends. Um, we'll be back next week with more. Sag, anything else? I encourage everybody to watch AW Dark Elevation, and then you guys can type in the chat what happened. So we know what happened. Threats to our nation waiting around every corner. Adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You have been listening to a Rundown Wrestling Network production. Please visit RundownWrestling.com for all of our shows, as well as our other special events. Keep it locked there, or subscribe to the Rundown Wrestling Network on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, Stitcher Premium, or anywhere you get your podcast from. Leave us a voice message that we will play on an episode by going to anchor.fm slash rundownwrestling slash message. Join our Patreon at patreon.com slash rundownwrestling. You can show us how much you love us by buying us a cup of coffee for just one buck at ko-fi.com slash rundownwrestling. Go to reddit.com slash r slash rundownwrestling. Follow us on Twitter at rundownnetwork. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash rundownwrestling. Email the show your dick pics and twat shots via rundownwrestling at gmail.com. Or go to Instagram or YouTube and look for Rundown Wrestling. Follow us on Twitch by going to twitch.tv slash rundownwrestling. And you can also follow our host Adam on twitch.tv slash the saleser effect. This has been a Rundown Wrestling Network production.